Coming up right now, the newest episode from Carr, Gwyn, and Ode on Three Pagans and a Cat. Yule has been celebrated, and Carr is drinking as we speak. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to a one-year anniversary, the 27th episode of Three Pagans and a Cat. You may call me Ode. You can call me Carr. I'm Ode's father. Mary Meat. My name is Gwyn, Ode's mother. (laughs) (laughs) And that's a callback. That's a callback to our very first first episode, episode, A Day Without Trees, a year ago. That is so way back, because yes, you were hungover at that (laughs) time. Exactly. And tomorrow we'll all be hungover Uh together. Yes. Oh my gosh. I can't believe it's been a year. (laughs) I know. A whole year. It's so funny because we've been listening to some of our early episodes. Yeah. Getting prepared for today. First of all, we started this with no fucking clue. No, we didn't have a plan. I I went back and listened to our first episode and I remember, like, I had completely forgotten our original plan was that every month, because we were going to do this monthly. Yeah, once a month. And our plan was that every month we would base the episode about what the moon, moon was. was. Yeah. We had read that there were different names for each moon in each month. And yep. so we were like, okay, well, we'll talk about the moon of the month. And that'll be like a fun thing we can focus on. And then we never, ever never did that again. We even thought of it again. <laughs> we no, did it the first gone. episode and then never touched that ever again. <laughs> again. I'd forgotten that was even a thing. Yeah. yeah. Just gone. Gone from the mind. because there were like three mo- super moons or three. Right. Yeah. There yeah. were a whole bunch yeah. of super moons in a row. But you know what yeah. I think derailed it is our second episode yeah. was very serious. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Our second episode was neo-paganism and sexual abuse. Right. And we didn't plan to do that episode at all. All, but the news had just broken about Isaac Bonowitz, yep. and we'd been talking about it, and we decided we should probably address it. it. Yeah. yeah, because it was something big happening in the pagan yeah, world. Yeah, so so even though it wasn't time for our monthly episode and everything, we were like, okay, well, I guess we need to just do this right. now rather than waiting. So we did that. And then like a week later, we had our normal we episode. We had our normal episode that we had planned. Which and was a holiday episode. Uh-huh. It yep. was in bulk. And after that, like, at that point, or maybe the next episode after, we were just like, okay, well, clearly the monthly thing well, isn't happening. Well, no, because right after in bulk, we had the convocation special. Yeah. Right, yeah. That's right. And we released that, and it had only been, like, two weeks or something. And we were like, okay, well, like, we're just going to go... To every month. other week. Yeah. Yeah, we'll just do two of these a month. Uh-huh. And the scary thing is, this is episode 27 in a year. So we've actually yeah, done, we've done more. more yeah, than, yeah. But we have. it yeah. is what it is. <laughs> we throw a, an occasional special episode in yeah. there. Yep. You know, or if there's more weeks again. in the month. Yeah, you know, yeah, because yeah, some months yeah. have more than yeah. 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 yeah, but if you take 52 weeks and you divide it in half, in half yeah, you, you should... end up with 26. Don't do math with me. <laughs> don't talk math to me. I don't. I don't want to hear math. I mean, who does, really? No, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) All right, then. (laughs) I have to do new patrons. Oh, Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, we have a a few new patrons. Here are our new patrons since last we recorded. Brandon Summit, Sarah Pressure, Darby Lockridge, Jasmine Ray Bell, and Marika Mullen. Wow. Three of them came today. Cheesy, crazy. Oh, my God. Thank you guys so much. Hi, guys. Yeah. So, uh, we really appreciate all of our patrons. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. You guys just help us out so much. You have no idea. Thank you very much. I also have two commercials to read because we have two people yes. who are... They are tigers. tigers. They are tigers and they get commercials. They get commercials, yeah, for their stuff. So one of the big moments for us as a podcast this year was the sponsorship of our first tiger, Akaneko, who brought to our attention the Grand Rapids Kimono Club. 
Kimono are an ancient and beautiful type of Japanese clothing once worn by everyone and now mostly worn by women for formal events. The Grand Rapids Kimono Club hosts kimono-wearing events where members can display kimono and learn about the different styles and traditions associated with them. Don't be afraid to set up your own events with the group, either. The Grand Rapids Kimono Club is a community project and your participation is valued. There is currently no requirement to own a kimono to join the group, so reach out to the Grand Rapids Kimono Club on Facebook to learn more. And now, in honor of finally pronouncing her name, we hope correctly, a commercial brought to you by our lovely tiger, Crystal Potinin, for Apothecary Tea Store. Apothecary Tea is a purveyor of fine, loose tea blends, from herbal tea to white. They provide a careful, curated range of options, from the traditional greens like Dragonwell to fanciful blacks like Black Forest Cake. And it sure doesn't hurt that their blends are so pretty to look at. Elder Tea, Pop of Blue and Queen of Hearts Luminous Blush are particularly compelling. For this time of year, we at Three Pagans and a Cat suggest taking a look at their chai, a smooth and spicy blend of black Darjeeling, cinnamon, clove, cardamom, fennel seeds, black peppercorn, and nutmeg to warm up your winter. Connect with them on social media with the hashtag MyApothecaryTea or find them online at apothecaryteastore.com. All right, so that's it for those. And then we had some questions, right, that were pre-sent to us. All right, so what do each of you consider the biggest challenge in following your individual paths, yet making them sort of come together, such as holidays or even doing some episodes of the show? I think the most important thing for me, and this was something I also had to just come to terms with in as part of heathenry, was accepting that things can be true and untrue simultaneously. Right. Like, mm-hmm. like so just for Yule, for example, I had to come to terms with the fact that, like, it could be my Yule and someone else's Yule and a third person's Yule all at the same time. And although we are all celebrating it differently, we are all celebrating Yule. And this is something I've talked about a little bit before, where, like, just part of being a heathen is acknowledging that, like, because there are so few sources, everyone's going to disagree about what the existing sources do mean, Mm -hmm. and that's not even getting into UPG and stuff. For me, the biggest challenge, and also the biggest, like, the greatest asset once I finally, like, unlocked it and figured it out for myself, was coming to terms with that ambiguity and just embracing that cognitive dissonance, which was the title of an episode, Mm -hmm. Uh, embracing that cognitive dissonance and just saying, it's okay that this doesn't make like logical sense because it is not a logic thing. Mm -hmm. Which is hard for you because you're very logical. I'm a very logical, very analytical person. I like research. So it's that it was hard for me to get to that point. But once I did, it was super freeing to just be like, this is a spiritual thing. It doesn't have to be quantifiable and it doesn't have to have a concrete, verifiable, singular, true, factual nature. Right. right. It can be ambiguous. And, and I think that's true with UPG as well. Yeah. You know, where it's like somebody came up with it and it sounds and seems to work well. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And, and the fact that it works for them doesn't necessarily mean that it'll work for me. Right. The fact mm-hmm. that something works a particular way for me doesn't invalidate another person's experience when they say it doesn't work for them. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think coming out of a major organized religion, mm-hmm. such as Christianity, which claims to have one sole truth, right. it can be very challenging to say, as you mentioned with Yule, we all have three different views, we all have three different ways of celebrating, but yet we can all respect and enjoy 
those differences. Mm -hmm. And that's something that can be really hard for someone who's really deeply entrenched in, be it a tradition, a denomination, a religion, in dogma, that insists that their way is the only way that is the truth. It's that my way or the highway thing. Yeah, Right. Which is so, it's destructive in relationships Mm -hmm. and it's destructive in religion. It is, it is. And so that's, I think, that can be very challenging. And like, for instance, with, with Ode and I, as a green witch, you know, I, I do celebrate the moon right. as a feminine entity. Right. Whereas for me, the moon is Mani. Exactly. The moon is masculine. Exactly. So that has taken, that's been kind of a challenge in that the Ode's reference is masculine. Mm-hmm. Mine is feminine. And my experience of the moon is totally different yeah, from very Gwyn's different experience from of the moon. Gwyn gets like a really strong feminine presence from the moon. And to me, the moon just like before I was a heathen, I didn't have strong feelings about the moon at all. And I still don't work closely with the moon, but mm-hmm. I now know the moon as Mani. Mm-hmm. I think of the moon as a masculine presence. When I interact with the moon, it's as a masculine presence. Mm-hmm. Right. So, like, the, there's this dissonance between Gwyn's experience and my experience. Mm-hmm. And but, I see it as a planetary body. Right. right exactly. So I don't see it as being male right. You don't or have female. a you don't yeah. like get a spiritual right. sense yep. for the moon. But I can say for myself because. I know and have had the, this discourse with Ode <laughs> the past year about the differences between Mani and Luna. I am now able to actually start to see the moon as both masculine and feminine. Mm. So for me, I'm starting to try to pull this into how I do a full moon ritual or a new moon ritual, dark moon, you know, whatever phase that we happen to be in. I'm trying to remember or think of the moon as... Morning. Basically, Lord and Lady, right, right, at the same time. So it's been kind. Of, it's been an interesting learning experience for me. To and and that is strictly because we are on very different paths mm-hmm. with very different uh, perspectives. And even on simpler stuff like Gwyn and I have, like I learned a lot of the magic I I know from Gwyn, mm-hmm. but she and I have different sort of perspectives on it. Like I come from an animist tradition mm-hmm. where everything has a soul or at least some kind of of spirit. Right. And Gwyn doesn't always see things the same way I do because she doesn't have as much of an animistic bent as mm-hmm. I do. So like I think everything has energy. Right. Um, but, but you don't necessarily, necessarily think of it as having a, like a consciousness. It to depends. It. it depends on what it is. I think there. I I think that. We have a similar belief in that, but it is not quite as concrete. Right. I, I think you have what I think a lot of witches have mm-hmm. is an, a sense of energy. Mm-hmm. And from my perspective, that energy you're sensing is just a spirit and right. you're just not interacting with it in the same way that right. I am. Exactly. Right. Whereas for, like, for instance, with stones, for me, right. it's an energy that I'm sensing, not necessarily an entity. Right. Whereas for me, each stone is not only its own spirit, mm-hmm. but is connected to sort of the greater, the greater spirit, spirit of that mm-hmm. type of stone. And right. see, and that's how I feel about plants, is that I feel like, you know, they have their own energy, they have their own spirit, and they're connected to the earth mother. And that's where that energy is kind of coalesced. Right. And, and, and I kind of fall on the Ode side because mm-hmm. reincarnation in my particular right. path right. is that you don't get reincarnated as another person. You, you get, get reincarnated into a stone or into mm-hmm. a tree. To or a natural into a, thing. Right, into a natural thing. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Next question is, Car, <laughs> you're coming up on your year in a day on the ADF dedicant path. Care to talk about that as a personal journey? Question mark. Things you've learned and let go of, just general cycles thinking here. 
Um, I would love to say that uh, the ADF year and a day has been amazing, and I've finished the dedicate path, and everything is hunky-dory, but the truth of the matter is, I haven't done squat on it. I don't even know if I'm going to stay in the ADF. I it like doesn't the... help that there's not a grove nearby. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Which, it's very difficult to do the work that the ADF requires mm-hmm. for the dedicate path as a solitary. Yeah. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of writing, which... As you, you two know, yeah, which I you don't, don't do love. Well. So I don't know where I'm going on that. I, I still see myself as a Celtic druid. Mm-hmm. I still, uh, that's the gods that I worship. That's the, the path that, that, path on. that, that I'm you, on. That, that you feel close to. Yes. But I don't know if the ADF is where I'm supposed to be or if just being completely disconnected, solitary. You know, we kind of have our own little <laughs> quote unquote coven. Uh, Coven, Grove, Coven, Kindred, Grove, Kindred. Yeah. all of the above. <laughs> you know, in our home, I'm going to make you all first of the year force me to start doing some stuff. Okay. If you give me, if you give me that power, you know I will use oh, it. I know. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I will use that power. Well, and I think it's important too because you know it's it's easy for me to come home mm-hmm. after nine hours at work mm-hmm. and sit down on the couch. And, and just get on my laptop out. and veg out and put on Brit Box and you yeah. know and it's hard to get back into uh, right into doing something exactly so I think the move kind of put a, a yeah. screeching halt on a lot of the stuff we were doing yeah we so we've all talked about this um, privately that like I I had established a really consistent practice with my ancestors and with my housewives and and then during the move and just sort of the dislocation of that and spending a long time in a hotel and right. And then it took a while for the house to get finished. And so, like, I lost my rhythm with a lot of those things. Yeah. And I've really struggled to get it back. And, yeah, so I think one of the things that it was hard for us to remember, I guess, is that moving is one of the psychological stressors. Mm-hmm. One of the, like, five major psychological stressors yep. that they put under, like, caution signs for depression and anxiety and uh, acute cases it's of, considered of mental a, disorder. It's a major life change. Yeah. yeah. And so is changing jobs. Yeah. So, so you I had did two both. Yeah. 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 Exactly. So major stressors can definitely sort of interrupt. Yeah. Right. Destabilize. Destabilize your personal life and your devotional life. Yep. Mm-hmm. And we've done a lot of traveling this year. Yeah. We yeah. Have been, Which you know, is super uncomfortable and... for me. I don't know how obvious this is from the outside, like to listeners and to people who meet me at events, because I'm kind of in a, I'm in, I'm in a specific emotional place when I'm at an event, sort of gear myself up for it. And I wear specific things and I present myself in a specific way. I sort of like mask on when I'm, right. when I'm mm-hmm. at a public event, but I'm actually like an intensely, like viciously private person. I don't like to leave the house. I don't like to socialize very much. It's a, it's a struggle for me to interact with people on like a regular basis. So, and it's a struggle for me to like leave the house and go out and be around people. Mm -hmm. Um, especially groups of people. So this year has been a big step for you. Yeah, it has. I've actually made a lot of progress, but it's been like emotionally draining. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It also is like, you know, we'll go out and do one of these events, even if it's just a one day. Mm hmm. Uh, event and then we don't see you for a week because you're basically holed up in your room. Exactly. I have to spend, I, I have to recover, yeah. I guess, from right. events for, yeah. for pretty extensive periods to yeah. like recharge my batteries yeah. and yeah. just, just deal with having to be around people, which yeah. I don't want to make you guys feel uncomfortable. If I'm at an event, I have, a, I have created a space for myself to do that and I right. want to meet you guys and talk to you. But 
that's why, like, sometimes it takes me a little bit to respond to emails, or mm. I don't always, uh, like, if you're talking to me on the Discord, sometimes I just, like, ghost. It's not because I don't love you and I'm not interested in your conversations. It's just that, like, I run out of emotional energy very quickly. Right. <laughs> and I, I will say that I think, you know, for all of us, I think there's been an interruption in um, practice, devotional and otherwise. I know for myself, I had to to work a very stressful job for mm -hmm. uh, a period of time. And right. in the middle of that, I was diagnosed with cancer. Yeah. So that was kind of stressful. Yep. And then we moved here and then I had to take another job for yeah, a short which period had a long of time, commute. which right. had a very long commute. It really has interrupted me in what I do for meditation mm -hmm. and things like that. My goal, <laughs> my goal for the new year is, you know, is to get back into that place where I'm growing spiritually. Yeah that I feel like I kind of stepped off sometime in about mid-May. I think it's important to talk about that because a lot of people I've discovered feel really guilty about like mm -hmm. their fallow periods yep. or the times yep. where they like, like they, they miss their system and they lose mm -hmm. their, their rhythm and they step out of their lane and they feel like they can't go back to it or right. they feel like they're a bad pagan or a bad exactly. whatever. And I think that's important for our listeners to understand. It's okay if you go through those periods. Yeah, sometimes you yep. just fuck up. You just yeah. do. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes life happens and you don't get your devotional shit together yeah. for a while. It's okay. Yeah, yeah. no one's going to chastise you for nope. that. You're not in trouble. Nope. The gods will still take you back. Yep. Even if your gods do set, like, really strict requirements for you, and if you screw up uh, in, in your oaths in some right. way, and they're not willing to, to work with you again, there are other gods. Exactly. Right. Lots there are other ways you can practice. Like, if you... Ways. This is, and this is going to sound stupid maybe, but it's kind of like relationships. Your gods are people that you have relationships with. If those relationships get messed up, mm -hmm. like irrevocably, it's okay. Mm -hmm. You can take some time to mourn the loss of that relationship and then go find a new one. Especially if you, like me, have mental and emotional problems that make it difficult for you to like maintain things for long periods of time. Right. Like if you have executive dysfunction or if you have a mood disorder or anything like that, like just make your peace with the fact that sometimes those things are going to interfere with your mm -hmm. spiritual life. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. Yeah. It's more important for you to still be alive. Exactly. Right. Exactly. At the end of the day, when you are still alive and the problem has receded for now, then you can get back to your spiritual life. Yeah. Exactly. All right. So some comments that have happened. See, Zeta Moonfire said, oh, you sound just like one of my kids. We are very much into staying home, staying in our own rooms, etc. We all need time to recharge. Yep. J. Ray Bell said, that's me, a hermit for life. <laughs> uh, Squeaky yep. said, thank you, guys. I need to hear that. I have periods where I'm very gung-ho spiritually, and I have times where I just can't make time or emotional yep. space. Amara said, yeah, I have to kick my husband out of the space sometimes. I love him, but sometimes. You know? <laughs> And yeah, I think that's true. And and Zeta Moonfire also said maybe we can help Car too keep on his path. And right? Yeah. I'm on the Discord. If you at me, it'll pop up on my phone. Yeah. On Discord, so mm -hmm. feel free. I mean, if you're like, hey, at if you think about it, and you're something. just like, hey, what the fuck is Car doing? Just <laughs> yeah. add him. <laughs> yeah. So we had other questions, I think. Mm, so I have a couple of questions for tonight. These were actually sent to us ahead of time. Okay. The first question is, what are house whites? Oh, good okay. question. So, white is a Germanic word that means spirit, uh, and it can be applied to any kind of spirit. Uh, sometimes you'll also see people in Norse traditions using vatir, and I say 
House White and House Vatir pretty interchangeably because White and Vatir both just mean spirit. Um, a House White or a House Spirit is, well, there are two schools of thoughts on this. So some people think that uh, House White is essentially like a brownie or a spirit mm-hmm. that it might be an ancestral spirit, but it's a spirit that's invited into the house and that sometimes even travels with you to a new house, mm-hmm. like it's attached to your family. I think of a House White as the spirit of the house, like a genus loci. Mm-hmm. I think of the House White and I perceive and interact with the House White as the spiritual manifestation of the house because I have a really strong animistic tradition. Mm -hmm. So for me, everything has a spirit and even constructed things can have spirits. Not all of them do, but some of them definitely in my experience do. Right. So like the old apartment, how I experienced that was that the apartment complex was a kind of hive spirit where each apartment in the building was sort of a sub spirit of a bigger thing. And I very rarely got a look at the big thing. I mostly interacted with the little sub-spirit that was part of our apartment. Right. Mm-hmm. But sometimes when I made offerings, I could get the sense of the the bigger, the building, sort of leaning in. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, accept it. Yeah, like a, like a plant leaning towards sunlight. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Here in this house, um, and maybe just because it's, it's quite old... <laughs> Um, it's 30 years. It's not that old. That's old enough for it to have acquired a spirit. Oh, yeah. true. Yes. <laughs> it's it's old enough. It's not a new building. Right. So it's old enough to have grown up a spirit of its own. Right. And I get the impression uh, it's, it's much quieter and less demonstrative than mm-hmm. the spirit of the apartment. The the housewives at the apartment were, were cheeky. Were cheeky and very active. This housewife is much more reserved. And I, I wonder don't... if that's because we're only the second people to live in here. That's possible. Could be. And I will say that as a medium, when I go into a house, often it is the housewives or the the house spirits mm-hmm. that I'm sensing, especially if it is a a, a sense of of peace in a a good place. Yeah. Although there are some places I walk into. That have like some pretty angry energy in there, and um, sometimes that's a housewife, and sometimes, and sometimes that's is, another spirit, and sometimes it's a separate spirit. But I know that when I walked into this house, when we were just looking at it, right. it was just being shown to us. I felt an immediate sense of oh, finally welcome, come <laughs> in, yes. So I felt very welcome here, and I felt very welcome by the land spirits as well, right? Which isn't always the case in in mm-hmm. some of the places we've been. So that's that's something I've enjoyed. Traditionally, the the relationship that people have with their housewives is sort of a like a mutual working relationship. So right. you leave some offerings out for the housewives, and they keep your house in good order. Mm-hmm. They manage sort of spiritual mess. In some cases, if you have a really good relationship with your housewives, you can get them to set up sort of wards of their own in addition to yours. Mm-hmm. Give you sort of like an early warning system if anybody's poking around, that kind of thing. Gotcha. Traditionally, the house spirits are right. closer connected to, in, right. to to human beings. Right. Than land spirits. That's true. All right. So next question is, that's the second part of this. The second is, could you provide a list of three to five places online to get the sweet grass braid you were talking about? No. I looked up that and everyone says they are Native American. Yes. I want an authentic vendor. Okay. So here's what my suggestion is. Don't buy your sweet grass online. No, don't. You can. Yeah. But so, okay, here's here's what I'm going to say. We buy our sweetgrass. At powwows. At powwows from the local tribe. Mm-hmm. And that's what I recommend that you do. I recommend that you go 
to uh, a public powwow in your mm-hmm. area, mm-hmm. or if or you could probably even email or call exactly the tribe. Call, yeah, the tribe call the tribe in your and local find area. out if they have a sweet grass vendor and yep. get it directly from them. Especially if you think you're going to go through a lot of sweet grass and you like don't want to have to stock up all at once mm-hmm. at the powwow. Get in contact with your tribe, find out who vends sweetgrass braids, and get it directly from them and see if you can set up like a schedule to have it delivered to you, right? But you can get sweetgrass online. And here's what I'm going to say. You have to make a decision here. And I'm not going to judge you about which decision you make. You have to make a decision about whether it is more important to you to support the tribe or to do something that is convenient and cheap. I'm not going to tell you which one you should do, Mm -hmm. because for some people, convenient and cheap is more important. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that's the only option. Exactly. Sometimes that's just the reality. And may I throw another option in there? (coughs) If you are fortunate enough to Mm -hmm. have a pagan store in your area with uh, owners that you know source their material, you can also get a sweet grass braid at a pagan store, but just make sure you find out where they've sourced it. Have they sourced it from a Native American tribe? Or decide that you don't care. Or decide that you don't care. You can do either of these things. You cannot do Mm -hmm. both of them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You can either support your tribe, and and when you're going to do that, I really do recommend supporting your local tribe, Mm -hmm. because those are the people who live on your the land your ancestors stole, you know? To be blunt. Let's be, like, let's just be real here. Our ancestors stole this land. Mm -hmm. And they stole it in several stages. Mm -hmm. Frequently after promising they were going to stop stealing it. Mm -hmm. Yep. So take ownership of that Mm -hmm. if that's important to you. And support the tribe as much as you can. Because they are the true inheritors of this place. And we are here at their forbearance. And as much as possible, it is part of our debt... It is part of our weird, it is part of our luck, it's part of our responsibility to pay off mm-hmm. what our ancestors have done right. as much as we can. Yep. And I think it is important to note that that is how we've made, that is how we've gotten our sweet grass. Right. And right. one was gifted to us by a listener who got it from a tribe mm-hmm. right. in, in, in his area. In his area. Yep. So that, and I do recommend that. Find out who your local tribes are yeah. get and it from, ask them. Get it from yep. your tribe. Yep. Get, it, now, get it from your tribe. And I, again... I'm not going to judge you if you choose not to do that, but just acknowledge that you are doing the other thing. Okay, so I do have a question. Okay. Because I don't know the answer to this. Do we know how Arts and Craft gets there? Arts and Craft gets their sweetgrass from a local tribe. So That's if what you I've been want told. an online store that can mm-hmm. sell to you that we have on right. from the owner's mouths who we trust yep. implicitly, right. that they get their sweetgrass from a local tribe here... Then you can go online and go to the Arts and Craft website, yep. and you can order from yep. them, and they will ship it to you, and then you know it came from a tribe. Right. And it came is, from a tribe somewhere. Right. And that is A-R-T-E-S-A-N-D-C-R-A-F-T dot com. Yep. Arts and Craft. That was maybe not the answer you were looking for, but... <laughs> and, it, yeah, it was a little, you know... I don't, I, this is the thing. I don't, I don't, I don't want people to feel bad if their decision is, but just I need convenience right. and, and right. cost. But be honest with yourself. Exactly. Right. Just, just be honest with yourself that that's what you're doing. There's yep. no judgment here about that, but just know what your priorities are. Right. I think it's always important to do a certain amount of soul searching and acknowledge to yourself freely and without guilt what your priorities actually are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You don't have to prove anything to anyone. Right. Certainly not to us. No. No. And we're, we're just actually, three voices online. Exactly. <laughs> and we're actually very lucky in that, you know, we have a, a bunch of local yeah, tribes. Yeah, there are a lot of tribes around here for yeah, us to reach out tribes, to. Yeah. yeah. We have a lot of lakes tribes. They do, they're very active. They do a lot of powwows yep. and are, uh, you know, we have resources available relatively easy. Yeah. Right. 
to yeah. us. And not everybody has that. Right. So next question is, I'm curious to know what being pagan means to the three of you. Hmm. You probably touched on it in the biography episodes, but it could be wrong. I don't think we actually did, no, really. No, we didn't. Hmm. Yep. Well, I can say that being pagan, I guess, to me, is that I recognize and honor gods and goddesses of nature, that I have a nature-based path, that I basically, I attune myself to nature, to the cycles of the earth, to earth stuff. Right. That is what being pagan means to me. What's it mean to you, Carl? I think uh, for me, um, and I think I did talk about this briefly in the biography episode, was... You know, I left Christianity, mm-hmm. and for a year, I really didn't have anything. Mm-hmm. Just didn't. Yeah. Didn't care, didn't want to, but I felt like I was missing something. Yeah, you weren't really an atheist. You weren't even really an agnostic. You were just disinterested. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But felt like I was missing some component. Mm-hmm. So I actually had a conversation with Ode outside mm-hmm. in the parking lot of our old apartment complex and said, Hey, I'm thinking about this, but... But what, what's the... Right. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. <laughs> I had always, when I was in Christianity, I'd always been interested in Celtic Christianity, which mm-hmm. was kind of an offshoot. Obviously, a little, an older, a little more esoteric. A little yeah, more a little esoteric, more esoteric, a little bit more cool. Um, <laughs> a little more... Uh, Carr's always been looking to add the cool back yes. into religion. Yes. And a little bit more willing to admit there's mysticism right. in yeah. the world. So then I just started looking into, well, what's the next step beyond mm-hmm. that? And that's when I went back and looked at what the Celts had done before mm-hmm. Christianity got there. And that really struck a chord with me. So I started diving into it. heritage for you, too. Oh, right? it's definitely heritage. I mean, you can't have the last name we all have mm-hmm. and not be. Mm-hmm. So, well, I guess you can. Because <laughs> I got side. it. <laughs> that's from my side mm-hmm. of the family. For me, it's just a... It's been very interesting, I think. You know, for a long time, Wayne and I tried to do stuff in Christendom. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they tried to do missions. Yep. They tried to do, like, radical Christianity. They tried all kinds of things. It was uh, always a failure. Mm-hmm. You know, everything we always tried to do was a complete and total failure. Mm-hmm. And I look back on that now, and I'm like, well, of course. We weren't following our true paths, mm-hmm. so no wonder it failed. Mm-hmm. You were just um, stumbling along, determined to follow this this one particular road. Right. That wasn't leading you where you wanted to go. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yep. And uh, then we started... You know, oddly enough, this podcast, and it's <laughs> blown up by the fact that we have 20 people listening in the recording channel. Hey! Right it's been very interesting. It, it's just been a, a huge change for me. Mm-hmm. It's I've only been doing this for 18 months, roughly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, something like that. And, so uh, you're still working out how to define pagan. Well, I think it means that I found my true path. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, I think that's what I got to in that rambling esoteric uh, monologue that I did. But yeah, I think it means that I finally found the true path that I was supposed to be on. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Not just because of my heritage. But just but... It, it jives with you. It jives. Right, yep. Mm-hmm. Excellent. You? As, as we've discussed before, I didn't spend very long in Christianity. Mm. The time I did spend in Christianity wasn't, I guess, used very productively. Like, I, I didn't have an active spiritual life. So... Paganism and heathenry specifically is kind of the only active spirituality I've ever had. The only one I've ever actually put any effort into. So to me, it's just being spiritual. Like, it's just finally interacting with this part of myself that I've always had, but have sort of, because I'm a very analytical person, suppressed. Right. It's it's acknowledging to myself that doubt is not discernment. It's acknowledging to myself that 
all those little superstitions and, and feelings that I've had my whole life weren't stupid or silly. They were important, and mm-hmm. I just wasn't looking at them. Right. That I was just pushing them to the side and focusing on, you know, statistics or whatever, when I could have been having meaningful experiences of my life this whole time. It's deciding not to begrudge that time that I spent being very logical and analytical and and valuing hardness and rigidity and and valuing coldness. It's deciding that instead I'm going to look at that as an important and necessary period in my life and rejoice in the fact that now I am choosing to value kindness. Mm -hmm. I am choosing to value compassion. I am choosing to value openness and ambiguity and questions. It is making a very deliberate and difficult and perpetual choice to be something other than what I natively, instinctively want to be. It is deciding to be a better person, even when it's hard. I think that's where we're at. Hey, do you guys have questions for us? Because that's yeah. part of what this is. Yeah. Questions. Because if not, we're going to go to this random top five thing that we put together. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, wait, wait. It's time for. We're way past time. Well, guess what? <laughs> Nobody's saying what. What? <laughs> it's time for reviews. So, oh, tell our listeners what we are going to be reviewing and giving away a copy oh, yeah. of. Yep. We are reviewing The Modern Witch's Curriculum by E. Massey. That's right. Yep. And we received this book a billion years ago. A billion years ago. It's not been a billion years. It's been like one. nine months. It's been a it's while. Been, yeah, it's been yeah. almost a year. This is one of the first books that we received, and then other stuff came in, and other stuff happened. And, and we try to fit the products we review, especially the books, right. to the topic. Yep. And, and just we couldn't find an episode that this one really fit until now because... It's a year. It's a. This is a year-long curriculum yep. where literally there's something to do for every day of a full year mm-hmm. in this book. I like how it's put together by month. Mm-hmm. I like that it's divided and each month has its own topic. Yeah. And then there are exercises and tables and different things and lots of really good explanation. It's basic. It is a beginner's. It yeah. is a basic beginner's book, which I think would be really helpful to a lot of people who are just starting out on the path and they're not sure what they believe yet. And this, cause this covers meditation. This will be a good exploration for all yes, of Yeah. It covers meditation. It covers the moon cycles. It covers correspondences, all these different things, just the basics of paganism yep. and witchcraft. And so I, I recommend it. I like this book with caveats. <laughs> surprise, surprise. <laughs> surprise, surprise, surprise. Let me guess. It's not in depth enough and the sources aren't as good. Well. <laughs> You wish it was bigger. Um. <laughs> you wish the bibliography was bigger. The the bibliography is not bad. It's a good start. Um. <laughs> I will say that the the exercises in this book are vague enough that you could retrofit them to pretty much any path. You could, which yep. is convenient because it's 
for witches and I'm a heathen. So, but I was reading through it and like I could do these exercises as a heathen with relatively small adjustments. Right. Mm -hmm. And what I liked is that it's not specifically Wiccan. It right. is witchcraft. It's witchcraft. It right. is the craft. It doesn't really have a tradition. No, it doesn't. So it would be really easy to fold into a tradition mm -hmm. if that was something you were interested in. Mm -hmm. I will say it talks a lot about like hermetic principles that I A, don't agree with, and B, don't care about. Fair. So I found that a little tedious because especially at like the beginning of each month, there's like an extended talk about mm -hmm. a hermetic principle that's supposed to be related to this subject. And especially when we got to the ones about gender dualism, I was just like, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> uh, to the surprise of no one. But you can do those. Honestly, you can do these exercises without even reading those bits. So you could just skip those if you don't care about them. Right. <laughs> Um, I think it's got good basic information. I think the tables are good. The exercises are good. The other, the one other quibble I had is that for some reason, some of the figures in here, by which I mean like the tables and the mm -hmm. pictures and the stuff, figures, the pictures. have clearly come from very small res images yeah. that yeah. have been scaled up really badly. Yes. So don't get this book for the pictures because they're not all good. It is self-pop. Yeah. Some so. of them are great. Some of them are like perfectly clear, crisp, like images. And some of them have been scaled really badly. Yeah. So, but there are some like tarot spreads in here that are nice. Mm -hmm. There's, there's some interesting stuff there's, in here. There's a nice description on how to go about doing a seance. Yeah. And it's only like $18. Yeah. Yeah. For this book. And it's pretty extensive. And I think it's worth the price, even if you're going to throw out half the content, frankly. Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. Exactly. Agreed. So for the price, it's well worth it. I yeah. think I would give it probably a three and a half stars. Same. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'd yep. give it a 3.5. So, um, just cause it, it's, it could use a few tweaks. Yeah. Enhancements, yeah, could, I guess. Yes. And there, and like I said, there were some things I just didn't care about and I skipped completely. So. Right. Well, I, you know, I, First printing. Yep. So maybe enough yeah. people he gets an email from, he does the second printing. <laughs> I do think it is a good beginner's text. Yeah, if yes. you yeah. if you and, know and someone of having it on your shelf. If you know someone who's like me and is very analytical and structured and likes to do things quote unquote the right way the first time, but who is like just starting to explore paganism, this might be a good book to get this person mm -hmm. to yep. start them off because it'll give them a really like rigid structure to follow yep. that'll cover a lot of different topics in a relatively short period of time. Yep. Okay. Before we forget, uh -huh. I have to pick somebody who wins this book. Oh my gosh. Oh, that's right. 18 people. Okay. So you want so a number again? Yes, but not from you. Okay. I'm oh. going to make Gwen pick a number between one and 18. Pick a number. 12. Jax. So Jax, if you can send me your... Mailing address. Uh, mailing address. I will be more than happy to make sure you get that book sent out to you. That's it for <laughs> reviews. So we're going to look at a couple of uh, comments here online. Okay. Goodwin said, What Ode was saying reminds me of a quote from the letters to a young poet that has been a mantra for me lately. You are so young, so much before all beginning, and I would like to beg you, dear sir as well as I can, to have the patience with everything unresolved in your heart and to try to love the questions themselves as if they are locked rooms or books written in a very foreign language. Don't search for the answers which could not be given to you now because you would not be able to live them. And the point is to live everything. Live the questions now. Perhaps then, someday, far in the future, you will gradually, without even noticing it, live your way into the answer. That's brilliant. In the words of the Sith Connor, would you yet know more? Mm -hmm. Okay. 
That's a joke that the heathens out there will fucking love. <laughs> All right, Aaron, there you go. I know Ode and Gwyn do various readings professionally. Have any of the three of you practice Tassiomancy? Tassio, that's tea, re- tea leaf reading. That is something I'm going to be learning how to do this year. That's one of my goals for this year is to learn how to uh, read the tea leaves and to read palms. I've toyed with Tassiomancy. Uh, I went and got teacups specifically to do it with. Mm-hmm. I actually have a, a book that I'll have to show you. It's really cool. The uh, the leaf that I was using was really not conducive to it. Mm-hmm. You need to get a tea leaf that is not um, too dusty. Mm-hmm. So, like, if you get, like, an Earl Grey that you clip out of a bag, it's going to have too much. It's going to be too finely ground, essentially. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. To, to really clump together well. Wait, so you should contact the apothecaryteastore.com? Right. Probably. And get tea from them? In okay. fact, I'm going to do that. Um, but at the same time, you don't want to get like an herbal tea that has a bunch of like blooming flowers right. in it because you need the the leaves to to settle in the bottom in distinguishable shapes. Right. So you want to get probably like one of the standard black teas that they have. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. I understand Darjeeling can, Darjeeling, be, yeah. can be a very good tea. For... But again, you have to get like a specific kind right. of cut. Finn Odinson mm. said, "Hello, Finn. Since I have missed the first half of the episode, <laughs> that's okay. It'll go up tomorrow. Which I'm not sure what has been asked. Wow, English is hard. <laughs> uh, but what aspect of each of your paths resonates best for each of you? Ooh, oh, good, question. good question. I can say for me, nature. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Obviously, I one of my favorite things to do is just to walk walk outside." put my feet on the earth and just feel the energy of the earth to work with my plants to just be outside. That's, you know, I'm, I'm a green witch primarily. And so anything I do outside is usually the most meaningful, meaningful to me. Mm-hmm. You? I think the thing that I do the most is divination. Because I find that really easy. Divination is a very, like, especially with tarot, is a very straightforward practice to me. So I mm-hmm. do it a lot. Uh, basically, anytime I have a question, I do a little divination just to see what's up. But the thing that hits me hardest and the thing that always gets me verklempt and that I have, like, the most... Explain verklempt for everybody. Verklempt is a Yiddish word that means being, like, overwrought Overrod. with... Uh, overcome with emotions. Right. The tearing up. Among other things. Um, yeah, so no, the thing that gets me, like, in my heart place the most is my ancestor practice. Mm. There's a lot of ancestor worship, at least in modern heathenry, and we suspect there was a lot in traditional heathenry. So, like, anything to do with worshiping or honoring my ancestors, with finding out about uh, my heritage, doing ancestry work, like, reading the genealogy that my great-grandfather put together because he was the boss, reading about... The circuit preacher who once threw a chair at a guy because he threatened to assassinate Abraham Lincoln. And right. Mm-hmm. William didn't appreciate it. Um, like those stories and feeding them and honoring them and remembering them and connecting to them is really, really important to me. And I think that's what gets me the most about my practice. It's been interesting because like, you know, not an ancestor yet. Mm-hmm. But the stories that my mother has told me mm-hmm. in the last, I don't know two months yeah yeah have been stories that she's had 50 years to tell me and hasn't <laughs> I've never bothered, bothered yeah. to bring up <laughs> at least now you know yeah yep. but like being yeah. at mlk's i have, I have a, dream a dream speech yeah. in dc being like, in the audience for being that. in the audience for that and mm-hmm. being at jfk's funeral procession yeah and uh that's the kind of stuff that gets written down right yeah. in exactly. the genealogy <laughs> right, yeah. right 
So, so we you need should to write that all... shit down. Right. Well, I'm going to leave that to O, That's who's kind of picking up yeah. the genealogy thing from me, which is cool. I'm glad to have somebody else who was mm-hmm. interested in it after I mm-hmm. did years of research. Yeah. I think for me, it's it's definitely the divination because it's the one thing that I've connected with, in particular the Olm. That's yeah. true. Um, it's really... I don't know. It's just something that has come very naturally. I do it completely different than anybody else I've ever seen do OM. There's no correct right way or right, wrong way right. to do it, but I've never seen anybody do it the way I do it. Which um, you intuited. Right, yeah. which I intuited. Yeah, he just, and, he just came up with it when finally Gwyn and I convinced him to just start doing right, it. Yeah. Just try. I have a tarot set, the mm-hmm. Celtic tarot, but I also have it on my phone. So I actually do a card of the day every morning. Oh, nice. Yep. Just and to I help that, learn them. And, and I do that on the way to work. No, it walking? actually gives me the reading. Mm. Nice, nice. <laughs> yes, I walk to work, so I'm not driving while reading my <laughs> phone, but uh, I am walking while reading my phone. But yeah, so I think those things are the things that have resonated the most with me to this point. Mm, fair. Right. Yeah, yeah, because you still have a, yep. lot of, uh, a lot of road to tread. Yes, mm-hmm. exactly. Yep. But don't we all? Right? Yeah. Uh, the process Justin, is never ending. Justin jumped on. Yes, that Justin. Hey, Ooh. Justin! And uh, said, just wanted to congratulate 3-Pack on a good year. I salute you. It has oh, been a good you. year. It has yeah. been a good year. We're yep. astonished by how good the year has been. Yeah, we yep. really are. We, and we'll we get keep... into that in a second. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, is there, Lady Catastrophe asked, is there a specific artist or piece of artwork that has influenced you, or an aesthetic, perhaps? Ooh. <sighs> That's a good and this is going to sound really lame, but mine would be Ode. <laughs> Fair. Um, because Ode does all of our graphics. Yeah, I do all the art. Uh, all of the art. If you have been on the Facebook page and seen the box that Ode painted for mm-hmm. Gwen, which Ode and I worked on, the concept yeah. of... Yeah, it was a Yule gift for It me. was a Yule last gift year. last year. Yeah. I think we talked about the concept for maybe two and a half or three hours. Yeah, we did. Uh, looking at different stuff about Brigid and, and looking uh, up all the different like symbols and associations right. and stories about Brigid, yeah, right. picking out the things that we thought we could. Put and together. then you probably spent two months painting it, yeah. Because <laughs> I think the next day we drove out and bought all the paint that yeah, we, we did. Needed. I think Ode would be actually my inspiration in that, which <laughs> sounds really lame. I realize <laughs> because you know a little sentimental. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I may have had a very small part in that process. <laughs> Um, but like I can email Ode and say, Hey, I need this and I need it later today. And it'll appear in my email. So, well, you know, I'm going to have to be the cheesy mom and say, I agree (laughs) Uh, because, well, the two pieces of devotional art that I have were gifted to me by Ode. And one was last year with the, with my Brigid oil box. Uh And what was beautiful to me about that, I even, I think I became verklempt. <laughs> you did, you cried. When I re- received it. <laughs> I think I'll never surpass that gift. Yeah, that's right. Uh, because I had for a long time been looking for something to uh, express Brigid mm-hmm. in, you know, I, in my altar space. And I didn't, I didn't really have anything at that time. And I didn't have any statuary, which mm-hmm. I now have thanks <laughs> to my beloved car. But at the time I didn't really have anything that I could really use in my practice. And then I got this beautiful box and it, you know, there's an inscription on the top that includes the name that, that Brigid gave to me when I returned to the path. It's very meaningful to me. And then this year, throughout the year, two more goddesses have approached me uh, and to say, hey, we want, we want you to work with us. And so now I have three goddesses 
that I am working with. And so Ode for this Yule <laughs> gave me a piece of devotional art that depicts all three together. Right. That I now have on my kitchen altar. Right. And so, yeah, I, I, I think there's a lot of beautiful art out there that is inspiring. But I, I do think the, the two devotional art pieces that I have were crea- were crafted by my child. So, yeah. You can't say you. Go. No, I won't. So I've got kind of two answers to this. First is that I find Laura Tempest Sackroff's art mm. uh, as devotional art very yes, compelling. I agree with that. She yeah. creates some Definitely. really beautiful pieces. She's got a few pieces uh, of Norse gods that I desperately want, want yeah. and will at some point get prints of. But just in terms of like my overall overall life as an artist, probably the the artist I most admire, who, whose work I most enjoy, um, even though my art doesn't really resemble his at all, is Toulouse-Lautrec. Ah, fair. Toulouse-Lautrec is a, a sort of an impressionist artist, and he, he creates some really beautiful, almost surreal pieces mm-hmm. of women that he knew, uh, in most cases, from brothels uh, and bars, and he mm-hmm. presents them in a really human and sort of sympathetic and almost luminous way. Mm-hmm. And I find it really compelling how he presents these women and these and, and, and other downtrodden subjects. Almost all of his subjects were mm-hmm. from lower income brackets. And he presents them in this really human and compelling and loving way. I find that really compelling and beautiful. Mm-hmm. I think if we're talking traditional, you know, mm-hmm, right. classic art, then I would have to say um, Degas. And Van Gogh. Mm-hmm. Those are my favorites. And I think that's what I love about the box. It kind of reminds me of Starry Night. I can see that. Yeah. yeah. So, and that's one of my favorite pieces by Van Gogh. So. <laughs> yeah. And I was trying to think of the guy's name who I really liked, but I can't remember his name. And I've met him. He was a folk artist from Atlanta. He was very, very old. Even when I met him in the 90s, mm. um, he was old. Um, but he was huge. In if the... you remember it, we'll link yeah, it. Yeah. We'll link, yeah, we'll link it. So. Zeta Moonfire said, write that shit down. Which, which shit? <laughs> no, that would be the stuff, ancestor stuff. The oh, ancestor okay. Stuff, yes. My grandfather was very much a storyteller. And I didn't appreciate it at the time, but I, I do appreciate looking back now and listening to his stories. My my mother's father. The, the, the doctor? The doctor. Yeah, that's, he, it's his genealogy that I have. Yeah. He wrote, essentially, a book. Mm-hmm. about his side of the family. So I have all these... And he, like, tracked down documents and talked yep. To, yep. To, to family members who were old when he mm-hmm. was writing it and who are long dead now. <laughs> yes. Um, and he's long dead and now. And he's long dead now. I never met him. Yep. But he wrote down all these stories and, that you know, my grandmother kept them in the basement and eventually they were passed to me. And yep. so now I have all these stories mm-hmm. about ancestors... I get to learn about them through the lens of my great grandfather. And I, right. can, I can guarantee you he is thrilled by that because <laughs> he really did. He loved his favorite thing in the world to do was to sit down and tell stories. And I did listen. I listened to the stories. He, he passed across the veil when I was 16. Yep. And we have a lot of stuff from my side of the family that's in newspaper articles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, Most of them involving prison crime. Because <laughs> your family was all shenanigans all, all the, the time. time yeah. Defrauding the federal government, uh-huh. writing, you know, half a million dollars worth of bad, bad checks, checks in yeah. the 40s, <laughs> uh, 
robbing people. <laughs> Very colorful past for Carr. Yeah, so... Uh, His family, that so, is. Yeah. Sometimes ancestors were bad people. <laughs> That's right. And you have to learn to love them anyway. That's right. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. Quickie said, I have a Ruin and Tarot apps that I like a lot. Hmm. What do you guys think about digital div- divination? I think they're valid and interesting. Mm-hmm. So, I think that the way an app for divination will work best is if you've like activated the spirit of your phone. Mm-hmm. But then I also think that phones can have spirits, which right. not everyone does. So, but I think electricity has a spirit. Yeah, I and mean, I think a I lot, like, I think a lot of people underestimate this. If you've ever, and this kind of calls back to that, like I got one face of a bigger spirit in the apartment building thing. But if you've ever like tried to connect with the energy or the spirit of like a computer or, or an electronic of any kind that's plugged into a wall, sometimes you'll get the face of something much, 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 much bigger behind it. Yeah. And I think that's the fucking electrical grid. And if you look into that, there's something even bigger and older behind that. And I think that's just plasma. You guys, spirits are really big sometimes, mm-hmm. and we should just be grateful that they let us see the small bits. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I will say, you know, I haven't had that experience, uh-huh. but um, one thing that I like to do, believe it or not, I have an Alexa. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. We call her the who you probably turned queen. on the now. white the white queen. I ask her for a tarot reading every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just to read uh, me, she reads me one card a day. And a lot of people do like shuffle mancy, like. They'll set their iTunes to shuffle and shuffle it a certain number of times and yeah. whatever song comes up is their is the response for yeah. their divination. Mm-hmm. And I think that's perfectly valid. I think as Absolutely. long as you approach it we covered this a little bit in the divination episode, but as yeah. long as you approach it mindfully and with respect, yes. I think you can use practically anything as a divination. Yeah. It's just a matter of learning how to tune it so that you understand the responses you're getting. It needs to be replicatable in my opinion, in order for you to get, like, a reliable divination. Yes, I agree. Not that, like, you need to be able to consistently pull, like, the fool five times in a row. No. But right. you need to get reliable results. And it's best if your results can be confirmed by another reader by a different method. Yep. Assess the viability of a divination method. But, I, yeah, I think getting your divination through an app or something is perfectly valid. It's double especially. Because I like to build a relationship, like, with my tarot deck. Like, I don't read publicly with decks until I've like built up a relationship with yep. them and I'm comfortable with them. Uh, and we've done a couple of spreads and had some chit chat yep. just because otherwise I can't guarantee that I'm interpreting them correctly. Right. If you have like a phone that you use all the time and that's always on your person, like, like most people's phones are, I think like the spirit of your phone is probably super connected to you yeah. because it's on you all the fucking time. Did you look up all your shit on it? Yeah. Your phone knows you better than your cards do probably if we're being like completely brutally honest. Yeah. The spirit Sad, of your but true. the spirit Sad of your phone true. will know you better than any other spirit on earth. So, yes. Probably more so than your significant other. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, your phone knows all the nasty mm-hmm. shit you look at <laughs> that you want to admit to your significant other. So, yeah, your phone knows you really well. If you can get a replicatable divination method with your phone, whether that's Shufflemancy or using a tarot app or whatever, yep. I think that's super viable. Absolutely. All right, Lady Catastrophe said, I've been exchanging letters with my mom's father, Hmm. and he's given me letters his mother had kept from her parents and siblings. They had mob ties in Baltimore, Maryland. Wow. Um, Interesting reading for sure. Write a book. Write a book so I can read it. (laughs) 
That's very cool. Yeah, that sounds fascinating. Cool. Yeah, all of, that's fascinating. All of my stuff that took place was in the Washington yeah. D.C. Yeah, yeah. or New York area, yeah. kind yeah, of 40s. in that New York, Maryland zone, yeah, Delaware yeah. area. Mm-hmm. Um, that's fascinating. So yeah. Cedar Moonfire said, nice, at least you have a record even for the bad stuff. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you have a picture of your ancestors' lives. That's very true. Mm-hmm. Uh, Finn said, well, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say you've not had an ancestor who decapitated a man under a bridge for sleeping with his wife. And that's probably true. Not to my knowledge. <laughs> not to my knowledge. <laughs> to my knowledge, I don't have an ancestor who did that. I mean, I guaranteed you I had awful colonialists and who knows what shit they got up to. Because right. all of us did. Yep. But no, that's a unique one as far as I'm aware. <laughs> Treasure that ancestor. (laughs) (laughs) All right, and then Mull asked, how do you practice ancestor worship with ancestors who weren't pagan? Mm. I feel conflicted practicing something they would have not appreciated me doing in life. So, there are different schools of thought on this. Some people will put stuff on their ancestor altar that acknowledges the religion of their Mm -hmm. ancestors. So they'll put like a Virgin Mary for Catholics, or they'll put like a crucifix, Mm -hmm. or whatever. For people who are Christian. Because most of our ancestors, you know, for a pretty extended period, will have been Christians. I don't do that. And that's partially because, like, I just don't interact with that spirituality. So, And I've had for a long time an opinion, like, before I was a heathen. Scare quotes Christian. Um, Scare quotes. (laughs) Back when I was a scare quotes Christian, I had... Like, this feeling that, like, if I was saying the words but not feeling anything, that was pretty fucking rude. And so for a while, I would go to church and not say anything. Like, I wouldn't say prayers. I wouldn't sing hymns. I wouldn't, like, interact at all. Because it felt like me, like, I was being disingenuous disingenuous and extremely rude. Like, if God was listening and I was just bullshitting him, that was rude. Right. So I didn't do it. And that's, to an extent, still why I don't. Include that kind of stuff on my ancestor altar. Mm -hmm. The other reason that I don't include that stuff on my ancestor altar is that they're dead. And so for me, as a heathen, souls are very complicated things. Like, they have multiple pieces. and I think Five to seven, depending on who you talk to. (laughs) Um, And I think that the different pieces of your soul go on to do different things in different places when you die. So, like, I think part of your soul goes to hell. Uh, or to Folkwanger or Valhalla or whatever afterlife you go to. And I think that part of your soul sticks around and is maybe reincarnated into the family or becomes part of the family luck or whatever. And I think part of your soul is the part that sticks around on the ancestor altar and pays attention when it gets petitions. And I think part of your soul, you know, maybe goes into the earth and becomes an alpha or a desir. Like, right. the Norse concept of the afterlife is really eclectic. And because the soul is made up of so many parts, I see no reason that they can't all literally be true. Yep. So that's just where I stand on that. It's like literally everything happens probably mm-hmm. when you die. You just sort of splinter into your different facets and they all go gotcha. off to do different things. I think the part of your ancestor that pays attention to the ancestor altar is basically like heritage. And that's like, this is hard to explain. I think it's like not, it's not like a fully necessarily conscious part. It's like the echo of a conscious part. Right. It's like the heart beat, not the heart. Gotcha. It's it's the sound the bell makes. It's not the bell. Right. So what you get at the ancestor altar, like it loves you, but it loves you distantly. Right. It wants to be remembered, but it doesn't need you. Right. It'll help you, but only the way that sounds help you mm-hmm. right. as guideposts. Right. So for me, 
There's not like a disconnect. I'm worshiping my ancestors at the altar the way I worship and love them. Right. And because this is not the part of the soul that worshipped, like there's no conflict there for me. Gotcha. Yeah. And for me, uh, I don't really have a, a religious or a, a devotional aspect when I mm-hmm. go to a, the ancestor altar. For me, it's a it's a remembrance. I do feel like like I have my father's picture is there, and mm-hmm. I have a little you know uh, setup. For me, it's. I don't necessarily feel like they're they're there, you know, or that I'm worshiping them so much as I'm I'm offering remembrance to them and they wherever they happen to be acknowledge it and acknowledge that I'm remembering them. That's so, how I So I have it. a question for you. Mm-hmm. I have a question. Yes, yes. <laughs> for you, is the ancestor altar is that whole process more for you than for your ancestors? Yes. <clears throat> I, okay. I think that would be how I look at it. Okay. Is that it's more for me. For instance, you know, when we celebrated Yule, mm-hmm. I offered some rose petals to the little dish that I have in front of my father's picture and said, mm-hmm. Happy Yule to him or, and, and Merry Christmas because he would have mm-hmm. understood that more. Right. But And I know that he, he received that. Right. But it wasn't a worship so much as it was a remembrance. And I feel the same for my grandparents' pictures. And right. Being dead gives you access to different information. Mm-hmm. Different knowledge. I don't think that necessarily our ancestors are enlightened, per se. If nothing else, evidence certainly suggests that the shitty ancestors, in some cases at least, remain shitty. But in some cases, they don't. Like, I don't think they're stagnant. They continue to change as people continue to change. Mm -hmm. Because, like all gods and spirits, they're people. Mm -hmm. Right. So I think, especially ancestors who've been dead for a bit, they're not going to begrudge you shit at this point. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, other than stuff you know they would have begrudged you in life. Like, if you know your mm-hmm. nana would have given you bullshit over the dirty dishes in your kitchen, like, she's probably still giving you bullshit after death. Right. But, like, as long as you're honoring and remembering her and doing the dishes, she's mm-hmm. probably not going to give a shit if you put a crucifix up there or Thor's hammer. Right. right. Like. <laughs> Question. Do you have a favorite tarot deck? Or Ooh. is it different decks for different readings? Oh, the struggle is real. I, it is different decks for different readings. <laughs> to yeah, be but per- do you have a favorite? Honest. Let's put you yeah. down to... Oof. Okay, so it's different decks for different readings, and I get asked this a lot, so I actually, I just choose them intuitively. Like, when someone sits down, I get a vibe about which deck I should use. And how many tarot decks do you own? Now? Yeah. Uh, like 10? Yeah. <laughs> I keep picking them up. Yeah, I have quite a few now, which is wild because I started, when I started this, <laughs> when we started this podcast, I only had one deck and I had had that deck for 10 years. Yeah. And I no longer have that deck. I lost a card from it somehow and... Retired it. And retired that deck. And we went through a whole process where I was like, hey, can I use you for something else? Like art or something? And the deck was just like, no, goodbye. I was like, all right, peace <laughs> out. We did that through pendulum work. Yeah. Combination of that and uh, and using a new deck. Right. Yeah. Uh, and then I just started acquiring decks. Uh, and I've actually connected to all of them pretty well. Uh, there are one or two that I don't use very much just because, like, they're really different from my conventional decks. Right. Um, but I, I'm, I'm building connections with all of them. But if I had to pick a favorite deck, it would... Oh, the struggle is real. It would probably be the Line Strider deck, which is the mm, first one I got yeah, right. yeah. To, to replace the retired deck. Mm-hmm. And it's still the one I use most consistently, probably, gotcha. is the Line I only, Strider. I only have one tarot deck at the moment, which is the Green Witch tarot. And it took me 
a long fucking time to find yeah. that one. <laughs> right. So it's going to be a while before I replace it. But I did just get a new Oracle deck, which mm-hmm. is a Lenormand deck, which I'm very excited to start using. Cool. Uh, Lady Catastrophe says, geez, I have a f- total of four now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I went to the Witch's Bazaar before the Witch's Ball. Oh, my God. And spent $80 on tarot decks <laughs> and bought like seven of them. Yep. And I've picked up a few more since then. Yeah. And it's just a disaster at this point. And then Squeaky said, I still only have one, but I want more. <laughs> yeah, fair, fair. I totally yeah, there are, I'm not going to lie, there are more decks I got my eye on. Amara is- recently got a manga one. My whole thing uh, is it took me so long to find the Green Witch Tarot. Well, you're also not as comfortable with tarot as That's I am. That's true. That's true. You are much more natural with Lady it. Lady Catastrophe I said, I, just have I like my Mystic Fairy deck the most. Nice. Mm, fair. Finn says, I have several decks that work great for a minute, and then just said, screw you, we're not talking to you anymore, specifically the Toph. So here's the thing. I still want to do our tops. I was going to say, we didn't touch on our top fives at all yep. so far. Yeah. So guys, keep feel free to keep typing. Yeah, and we're just going to give you some statistics, basically. Yep. So we decided that we would do what our favorite things were. Categories of the Categories, year. yep. For the year. Because we weren't sure that we would have anybody asking questions. So we wanted to have content to talk about just in case. So It ended up not being a problem, obviously. Right. Thank you. (laughs) So our top episodes are, and this is... This is the the episodes that have been most listened to. Yeah, the most listened to episodes in order of... The number one most listened to episode is, oddly enough, our first episode, A Day Without Trees. Which is the episode that we didn't know what the fuck we were doing. Right. Number two is Wheel of the Year Maven. Which still surprises all of us. Yeah. I, it thrills me, though. I still yeah. maintain that Maven Op Modron is responsible for that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, building Your Book Overview is number three. Oh, cool. Which is the first part of the Building Your Book series. I liked that one, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, Monikers and Metaphorical Spaces is number four. Yep. And the number five is Building Your Book Correspondences, mm-hmm. uh, which led to us doing two new parts of the podcast, basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In Gwen's Garden Gems and Ode Stowed Corner. Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, those sec- all those segments we do, Gwen's Garden Gems, Ode Stone Corner, and Cars Peace Table, mm-hmm. were all suggested to us by listeners. That's yeah. right. Yep. That's right. So you guys, you really do You have helped a- us build the format of this podcast. You yep. have. You have a large impact on what we do uh, based on your comments and your interactions with us uh, through emails, Facebook, Twitter, mm-hmm. etc. Our favorite five episodes are, mm-hmm. in no particular order, Mm-mm. Speaking with Symbols. Mm-hmm. I love that one. Uh, Wheel of the Year Maven. Yep. Monikers and Metaphorical Spaces. Yep. Mm-hmm. Building Your Book Overview. Mm-hmm. Three of those are, uh, in, yeah. are in the top five. Yep. And then Neopaganism and Sexual Abuse. Yeah, yes. we really like that episode, actually. Yep. We do. It was a hard it episode. Was, but it, it was, was rough. One. It was difficult. It was only the second one we ever did, so we still didn't really know what we were doing. But... Um, I was really, honestly, looking back, I'm really proud of us for how we handled that situation. Yeah. <laughs> yep, having listened to it again recently. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm really proud of us for not completely losing our shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. Our favorite products, in no particular order. That we've mm-hmm. reviewed. Yeah, that, that we've, we've reviewed. reviewed. Forbidden Mysteries of Fairy Witchcraft by Storm Fairy Wolf. Yes. Mm-hmm. A very good book that we yes. recommend. Amazing. Uh, Magic for the Resistance by Michael M. Hughes. Another book that I strongly recommend. Big Liz's Florida Water. Oh, God, yes. that stuff is the shit, man. We, we've re- reviewed it before, so I won't go into detail, but it's got stuff in it. It's, it's beautiful it's to look awesome. at. 
Magnolia Rain's magical salts or just about anything else she makes. Pretty, pretty much. much. Yeah, pretty we much. Love we love Magnolia Rain. We love yep. the whole Magnolia Rain's product Lots line. Lots of rain on Etsy. Uh-huh. The Pagan Children's Learning Series, which we gave away the last yeah. episode. Uh-huh. I love that book. Yeah, that, they're, <laughs> they're so good. I'm so they're pleased awesome. that they exist. Here are our top five mistakes. Oh, my God. <laughs> this and is what tr- he's been looking forward to. Trust me. When I say these are only ones you all have heard. Yeah, these are only the ones we don't remove from the edit because they're funny. So we let them stay in. A lot of things get removed in the edit. <laughs> okay, at some point or another, we've said pagan as either Poggins or Pegans. Several times. Three was the first cop. fucking episode. <laughs> <laughs> at one point, I said... You've been listening to Three Pagans on a Cat. I love that. When I first heard that, I started cracking up and I was driving in the car. Oh my God. It was awesome. Gwen and I laughing through intros when Ode hasn't prepped us as to what is being read. Sometimes I prepare the intro and I don't warn them what I'm going to be reading. And then for some reason they think it's funny. Yep. Well, actually what happens is Well, cars, we'll talk about that in the intro. Uh-huh, start yeah. giggling and then that makes me laugh. Yeah, then it's, it's, and it's just a gone from there. Um, when I introduced myself as, hi, I'm Carr, I'm Ode's mother. Yeah. Uh, not one of my better things there. I wasn't even drinking that. And then, day. and then, oh, uh, Gwyn got confused in response. <laughs> where she was like, wait, who am I? And then, if you've listened to the first episode or two. Uh-huh. I had my name as Kara Na Dagda or Kara on Dagda. On Dagda. On Dagda. Which means automobile of the Dagda, which mm-hmm. is Did not that? what I was looking for. And it was the feminine for yes. car. So right. it was. As I said at the time, the lady car of the Dagda. (laughs) Which he did not realize. And we were corrected by one of the experts inexplicably listening to our podcast. (laughs) So (laughs) now it's correct. It's Kara Na Dagda. (laughs) Friend of the Dagda. So our favorite top five intros. Yeah. Yeah. The John Barleycorn intro. Yes. Because John Barleycorn gets his ass kicked. He gets the shit kicked out of him, but he comes back next year. And shows those alcoholics what's what. <laughs> and then the very next episode was tear out your own liver. Yep. Yep. That yep. was a, that was a quote from the last unicorn. Yep. Yep. And I didn't think about the fact that it implied I was some kind of homicidal maniac. <laughs> Although I am low key a homicidal maniac, yep. I yes. just don't think prison sounds like a fun time. <laughs> The first time we did a poem and we all laughed. Yeah. Because yes. before that I had done quotes. Yeah. And I read a poem for the first time and Carr cracked up as I was reading it. And that made yep. Ode laugh. Uh-huh. Which made me laugh. Oh my God. What a um, The first time I said, we're going to do all of this at the end. Yeah. Yeah. We were doing the intros and we skipped the, like, you may call me Ode. I'm Carr. Um, my name is Gwyn thing for some reason to jump straight into whatever commercial yeah to ju- oh was it to jump straight into a commercial well it was like us promoting like i think we're oh an event we were going to or something yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and uh and gwen was like wait we have to introduce ourselves and car said well we'll just do it at the end <laughs> so then i believe we did yes do, we it did. Yep, we did do it at the end also our homage to bet midler mm-hmm. oh that's my favorite je vais mon libre i want my book <laughs> Which was from our Samhain episode. Uh-huh. Yep. Uh, no, no, no. That was building your book. That oh, was, was it building, building your book? That was, okay. that was overview, build, I think. Yep. Gotcha. Yep. From Hocus Pocus. Yep. Our top five favorite endings 
are <laughs> downloaded Mississippi. Downloaded Mississippi. Downloaded Mississippi. Oh. <laughs> because it worked. It worked. We got downloads in Mississippi. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see the Happy Yule chorus where we all said Happy Yule, but at different right. things. And then it and then it ended with Car defiantly refusing to end the podcast, but and then, then just ending, refi- ending the podcast. <laughs> yes. No, you've been listening. To it. <laughs> Three pagans and a cat. Odes Moonfall. Oh yeah, moonfall. that was the first episode again where we thought we were going to discuss a moon every month, and I couldn't like my brain completely skipped out, and I wanted the word like lunar, but instead I came up with moonfall. moonfall. <laughs> That's a new word. <laughs> The fake out ending where oh, I was right, like, where you were like, yeah, I'm going to stop, stop it. And then he fucking did it. <laughs> and I kept recording. Oh, and at God. that point, I was still editing. So I just left uh-huh, that shit yes, in. Yes, we yep, just left just it. Left it in. And then basically our lack of a... T- yeah, we still don't have a sign off. Nope. And at this point, we're just not going to. No. We're just not going to. No. There is no sign off, babies. You just so, get whatever shit we come up with at the end. With it. Whatever, whatever jokes we manage to scratch out. Yeah. <laughs> so top five stones from Ode. Okay. You read those? Yeah. My favorite one probably is the Hourglass Selenite. And I hope Fit Odinson is still listening because it is my favorite because he sent it to me. Yep, and it act Finn's still there, yeah. so that's good. Finn Odinson sent me some beautiful samples of hourglass selenite, which I had never heard of before he mentioned them, because they're unique to Oklahoma. And I had never seen one before, but he sent me these beautiful, beautiful specimens that I still have, and I learned all about them, and I got to like, get to know the stones, and they're great. They're beautiful, wonderful stones, and I love them. So that's my number one top favorite one. Yep. My second favorite one is soapstone, just because I think most people write it off as, like, not a stone. Right. Because you don't see it in, like, a tumbled form in the gemstone collections. Mm. But, like, most pagan shit is made out of soapstone. So, like, half the things you own probably are soapstone, and it does have useful and important qualities. And y'all should know them, so... I, and you've already discussed this on Yeah, the okay. I'll try to, I'll try to cut it down. Anyway. So I like soapstone. I like hematite just because I like hematite a lot and I think more people should have it and they should know that it's not naturally magnetic. I like emerald, which is the one I did last time <laughs> just because I liked, I actually really liked learning about the folklore of, of emerald, like holding one under your tongue. Right. Yep. Lets you see spirits and speak prophecies. I liked that a lot. Uh, and then I like hawk's eye, which is another thing that I don't think I mentioned this on the episode, but the hawk's eye specimens that I have were given to me by Akaneko. Yep. Uh, Akaneko gave me two pieces of hawk's eye, and they're very beautiful. One is actually, you can tell that it has more iron content than the other one, because it's got actually the brown streaks that is more common of tiger's eye, which we talked about yep. when I talked about mm-hmm. hawk's eye. Yep. yep, very cool. So, Gwen, your favorite herbs? <laughs> My top favorite is belladonna, because, hello, it's the witch's herb, <laughs> and it's wonderful for working with dark goddesses and shadow work and visions and dream work. Um, my next favorite is mint, because it's excellent for purification, work to draw money, success, joy, love, and, of course, fertility. Um, plus, it's easy to grow. Um, basil, because it's protective. And I just actually, um, also on Facebook, I think it was, uh, posted a, a link that uh, talks about basil magic, how you can use basil in your work. And oh. one of the easiest ways is to write to rid yourself of negativity is to write something on a leaf of basil and burn it. Yeah. So it's a wonderful, easy way to do magic. Fennel, because it's uh, good for longevity, it uh, helps to work off negative energy, and it is good for creating boundaries. It makes a wonderful personal ward. And then in addition to that, lavender, because it's lavender. Gwyn just loves lavender. I do. Yeah. I just love she lavender. She uses it in everything. She makes 
lemon lavender cookies that are the greatest thing I've ever had in my life. And lavender magically is protective, and it's it's just a wonderful, useful... It's soothing. It's a wonderful herb, uh, both in the flower and in the oil, and it has multiple uses, and you can grow it in a pot, you can grow it in the ground. And I usually find the scent of lavender too floral, but the culinary lavender that she uses to make the cookies with is actually not as floral smelling as other lavender, Mm -hmm. so if you're like me and you think lavender is like, "Mm, too much, thanks, no goodbye, get some culinary lavender instead. Yep. Yep. It makes a difference. And then my top five recipes, which can all be found on the website. Yay. So potato cheddar soup because potatoes and cheddar. God, I love both of them. (laughs) Fry bread. Definitely. Which was a recipe we actually got. Well, actually, I got it uh, on allrecipes.com. There you go. Okay. After you had fry bread at a powwow. Well, yeah, and I've loved fry bread since I was a teenager, but it was also edited by a Native American woman. Right. So I followed her version of it. Right. That was in the comments. Right. And it's superb. My wassail recipe is actually already up there. Yay! Did you you put it up there? No, from last year. From way back. Oh, Oh, from from last last year. year. Yep. (laughs) Buttermilk bread charm cake. So it's a bread. Right. Yeah. Uh, buttermilk bread. Oh, charm. was that for the the Imbolc episode? I think so. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And then pagan tea goddess. Which oh, was yeah. oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I really yeah. enjoyed that. So, but I think didn't we decide we were going to call it pagan tea deity? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's because it it's on pagan the... deity. Oh, that's right, pagan deity. Because I don't puns. remember who said that. Because we're dad jokes. God, that that good. Came no, that came from a listener. It, came from a yeah, it, it came did. From it a did. Listener. It came from a listener. I don't remember who it was. Wait, was it Lot Nine? God, I don't remember. <laughs> it was a good joke, though. Whoever yeah. did it, like, congratulations on your excellent joke. Yeah, pagan deity. If you haven't paid attention to any of the videos we uploaded to Facebook, yeah, um, we have new business cards. Feel free to ask for them, and we'll send you a copy. Yep. It's actually one from each of us, so you yeah. get three yep. business yeah, cards. Yeah, we each have, have an individual cards. business card. <laughs> And mine says, Dad, Dad jokes. Jokes. <laughs> It's one of his specialties. Um, so. <laughs> Car specialties. Audio right. engineering and dad jokes. Yep. I think that's pretty much it. Yeah, I think yeah, we're done. We've, we've pretty much covered. We've rambled extensively. We've rambled. Yeah, this, this is, is going probably... to be, it's, it's be a long episode. Yeah. And it's going to be a boring-ass episode because you're just listening no! to us talk. Oh, it's questions that they ask. Um, so they got true. answers that's to true. their own questions. That's true. That's... Just so you know. Yeah, like, every episode, every episode, is, episode is just not talking. Oh, good point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, we were originally going to fill up some of this time because, again, we weren't sure we would get questions. We talked about filling up this time with, like, our discussions of what we were planning for the next year to do yeah, with the podcast. Yeah. But uh, we mega don't have time for that now because it's super late. But we do got plans. We do have plans. And we'll maybe post something on the Facebook and in the Discord about, like, what our plans are to get yep. feedback from you guys. Yeah, because we want you all to be involved in what we do. Yeah. As like you already I, have. Because, like we said... Y'all basically determined what our current format is. You really did. Like, Carr decided we should do the reviews just so that we could break the episode in half. Yep. But we weren't planning originally to do these other segments that we do Mm -mm. until, like, you guys specifically asked. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things that we love about our listeners. We love that you comment, Mm -hmm. you send us emails. Yeah, you you guys are so active. You're active on Facebook and Discord and Twitter. And we we really appreciate that kind of communication, not only with us, but with each other. And I know that I'm, I in particular... I'm not always super responsive. And I've talked about this earlier in this podcast, that it's just like I run out of energy really fast. But I do love hearing from you guys, even if it takes me a while to get back to you. Mm -hmm. You are never bothering me if you send me a message. I love love to hear from you guys and hear what you're thinking about 
and hear your questions. It might take me a couple of months to like work up enough energy to write you a response, but I still definitely want to hear from you. So we thought we would give you all some numbers because they're... Because this is you guys. Yeah. Right. This, this is, is Yeah, this has nothing to do with us. Like 27 episodes, that's our fault, but everything else is you guys. Right, yeah. Any success <laughs> that we have in this podcast is down to you guys. Yep. So we are currently at, as of right now, I just refreshed, 89,000... 997 downloads Holy in a year. fuck. What? I ask you the fuck. And it's <laughs> not even a real true year yet because our first episode was January 30th. 30th. Yeah. Oh, December 30th. Yeah. Or December 30th. December 30th. Yeah. yeah. So we still have a little bit of time. Yeah. So. Wow. That's amazing. It's a pretty freaking amazing. Unbelievable? It's unbelievable. Yeah. And again, it's down to you guys. We do have a really good host, actually. If yeah. you're interested in, uh, in right. doing a podcast, we Fire. actually really recommend Fireside. Fireside. Fireside.tv. They're that's, great. That's what our podcast is hosted on, and they've been really, really good. That Through this year, it's been constantly updated. The way they handle their analytics, the way they handle the back end mm-hmm. has been constantly updated and improved. We've been really impressed with them, honestly. Yep. We have. So our average downloads per episode... Mm-hmm. Is 3,461. Our average duration of an episode is much shorter than this one. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) At an hour and six minutes. Yeah, we try really hard to keep them an hour. Obviously, we're not making that. No, we don't often succeed. So we thought we'd give you all a little bit of history here. So in January of 2018, we had a total of 951 downloads. We took a huge jump in July when we went to... So that was six months later. Yep. Mm Mm-hmm. We went to 9,216 downloads in a month. So times 10. Yep. Right? The last three months, so that would be September, October, and November. Yep. We've been over 11,000 downloads in a month. Yep. Jeezy crazy. December, <laughs> which is not over yet. Which is not over yet. No. Is now at 13,805. Yep. I don't know where you guys are linking the podcast. But thank you. But thanks. Yeah, there are days we look at it and we go. Yeah, but sometimes we'll get these. Shared this. We'll get these big where? jumps and we're just like, who linked us? Because it wasn't us. <laughs> and then we can never figure it out. We're just like, well, someone must have put it in a Facebook group, I guess. Yeah, yeah, it's very weird. So, mm-hmm. would you do me a favor, really quick? Uh huh. Because God knows everybody in the world has asked this question. Okay. Would you please cover the Loki slash mistletoe slash... Oh, the Balder drama? All right, while you're looking this up, I'll talk about the Balder (laughs) drama. So, there are two accounts of Balder's death. The first is the one you're probably familiar with, where... Balder gets invincibilized by uh, Frigga. Invincibilized. invincibilized. <laughs> New word alert. <laughs> he gets invincibilized by Frigga because he has some bad dreams that spook him out. And Frigga's like, nobody's going to hurt my baby. So she asks everything in existence to uh, agree not to hurt Balder ever. Um, and But she skips mistletoe because she thinks it's too young and innocent and is unlikely to do any harm anyway. So she doesn't ask for an oath from mistletoe, which turns out to be the fatal flaw in her plan because Loki hears about this shenaniganry, obviously. And while all the gods in Asgard are throwing deadly weapons at Balder for sports because none of them can hurt him, and Balder is just sitting out in the open being like, ha ha yes, throw an axe at me. Loki fashions what's called a dart. It's not clear if that's an arrow or a spear, but he fashions a dart out of mistletoe. And it's not clear that the Norse really even knew what mistletoe looked like, because it would be mega hard to do that, (laughs) given what mistletoe is. Right. Um, But so he fashions a dart out of mistletoe, and he goes to Baldur's brother, Hodr. Hodr is blind, and we don't know 
how he was blinded, if he was born blind, if he was injured in an accident, it's never discussed. But Hother has been sidelined because he can't see, so he doesn't get to participate in this throwing shit at his brother, you know, extravaganza, which is obviously disappointing because if you have a sibling, there's probably at least been one point in your life where you wanted to throw something at them. <laughs> or with, have. With, with there being no consequences and all. So Hother doesn't get to participate, so Loki comes to him and is like, hey, I'll be your eyes for a round if you want to throw this at your brother. And Hother's like, yeah, absolutely, I want to do that. So Loki hands him the mistletoe dart and helps him throw it at Baldur, and it hits Baldur and kills him because mistletoe is the one thing that prom- that didn't promise not to hurt Baldur. Gotcha. Uh, and then there's this whole big drama where... Like, Baldur goes to hell, and Nana, his wife, kills herself so she can go with him, and then Odin and Frigga send a servant to Helheim to find out if they can get him back, and Hel's like, well, if every creature on Earth cries for Baldur, fine, I'll agree to send him back. And then a giant named Thok, which means thanks, um, refuses to cry, and so the, the the name Thanks is thought to be sarcastic. And it's speculated that Thok was maybe Loki in disguise, because, I mean, he is a shapeshifter, but no guarantees. Um, so she refuses to cry, so Baldur has to stay in hell, and everyone's very sad. And then Odin goes and has a ready-made child born and raised in a single day by Rind, explicitly just to be a kinslayer so that Hother can be killed for killing Baldur because that's how Norse law works. I've got a lot of... And there's another... <laughs> there's another account of Baldur's death which doesn't include Loki at all, which just says that... By Saxo Grammaticus. Uh, which just says that Baldur was a human hero because in Saxo Grammaticus's work, everyone is humans who are just very dramatic. So Baldur was killed with a sword named Mistletine by his foe, Hother, over a woman. Which So these are obviously very different accounts of right. the situation. Usually the one people go with is Snorri's, because I think most people don't actually read Saxo Grammaticus. But he's very interesting, if gotcha. you're into that. There's a lot of drama about what Loki's intentions were, and there's a lot of, like, Loki... Uh, antagonism and Loki apologism on both sides of this thing. I'm actually not as interested in Loki's relationship to this situation. I do have some Loki apologism about Baldur's death, but I won't get into it right now. What I think is more interesting is Hother's role, because Hother is at least as much a victim as Baldur, but simultaneously is more of an aggressor than he's actually presented as. So Hother is usually presented as having been like a total dupe who was like completely tricked into this whole shenanigans, but Loki, (laughs) like Loki, okay, who... The gods fucking know who Loki is. Right. And he gets into shit all the time. It's like not like Hother doesn't know who Loki is. Hother is Baldur's brother, which means he is Odin's son, which means Loki is basically his uncle. He knows who Loki is and the kind of bullshit he gets up to. When Loki comes to you and is like, I'm going to help you do a thing that's dangerous, you should expect there to be some schemes involved. So you can't tell me Hother didn't know something was happening. Right. Mm-hmm. And you also can't tell me that Hother, the blind brother who was sidelined during this whole situation, who we hear nothing about anywhere else, who's like completely disregarded by the rest of the Pantheon, didn't ever feel like genuine resentment to shining perfect brother Balder? Right. You can't give me that bullshit. So listen... Hother knew what he was up to. I'm not saying he wanted his brother dead, but I am saying he wanted to throw some shit at his brother. 
So some ideas for you guys to some of the stuff we've talked about talking about. Spirit communication. Right. Mm-hmm. Afterlife, death, and reincarnation. Mm-hmm. The Om, the Futhark, and the Witch's Runes. Mm-hmm. Then we have a whole series called Storytelling. Yeah, where we would do that thing I just did about Baldur, basically, but more. Right. Mm-hmm. So shenanigans, interactions with mortals, apocalypse, and creation myths. We have the Discernment series. Yeah. Which is Seeing Signs, The God Phone, Journeying, Intuition, and Strangers Bearing Tidings. Spoons, Managing Mental Health and Paganism. Yeah, that's one we're going to get to at some point because it's important to me. Yep. That's it, ladies and gentlemen. We are done with this episode, so I'm going to close this down in one very quick, poignant way. Go to our website, 3 and everything you ever want to know about us is on there. Yep, or will be at some point. (laughs) So... Three, the number three, pagansandacat.com. The blogs are there. The episodes are mm-hmm. there. The Patreon is the there. The Patreon is there. The Redbubble's the Red there. The Redbubble is there. Mm-hmm. The links to Facebook and Twitter. Discord and Twitter and everything is there. there. Yep. I don't have to read all this other BS that I don't That's actually true. read. I just you, make up off the top of my head. You could just always say, go to the website. <laughs> That's true. So just go to the website and you will find all of the stuff. That you need to know about us. That's right. And I guess that ends the anniversary episode. Thank you again. Thank you guys guys. for being with us on this year-long extravaganza. And this journey. We look forward to being with you for another year. Yeah. 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 You've been listening to Three Pagans and a Cat. Find out more information at www.threepagansandacat.com.